Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them, and he confirmed the word by signs that followed. And then it says they promptly reported these things to Peter and his companions. How many of you agree that really sounds like heresy, what we just read? Those who believe will be saved. I mean, man, that's we're getting into some dangerous crowd there. I really see how this is an issue for some folks to put this in the scriptures. This is just... This is nonsense. I'm teasing, obviously. We believe this. This is this is very clear uh, in our theology. So I want to just kind of chart through this here, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first couple of verses. I want to kind of spend some time on the end and, and show you some things and hit some things. And this is things you know. This is will be a review for some of you. But what I notice in, in really verses 9 all the way down through... 12 and 13 is that, ladies and gentlemen, we must make a decision to believe. Notice that Mary went, they didn't believe. And then uh, as we read in Luke, he met the two on the road to Emmaus. And if you're interested, John gives us much more detail about the encounter with Mary. He really lays it out. Luke gives us a lot more detail about the road to Emmaus. And so for whatever reason, when the, the men on the road to Emmaus came back to the disciples, they did not believe. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we are presented with an opportunity. We must believe. Do we believe in Jesus? Do we believe that he rose from the dead? Do we believe that he's the only way to the Father? And so that's, that's really all I want to say about those few verses is that we have an opportunity and we must believe. We must make a, a point of faith. And this is what I put. Belief is the starting point for all of God's working in our life. Belief is the starting point for all of God working in our life. And I know you're here tonight because you believe. And so um, I want to pick back up into verse 15 now. Of course, in verse 14, Jesus kind of scolded the disciples for having hardness of heart. So this leads me to this question. Why do people not believe in Jesus? Hardness of heart. Heart. How many of you have ever felt like your heart was getting a little hard towards things or a little insensitive? One of the things that I always want to do is keep a tender heart before the Lord and, and keep a soft heart because there's so much in life that can harden our heart. And so I encourage you, the Bible says to guard your heart, for out of it springs all the issues of life. And so we, we don't want our heart to be hard. We want it to be soft and, and where we can believe in the risen Lord. So let's look at verse 15 now, Mark 16, 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, all the preachers in the house, let me see your hand. All the preachers in the house. I got one, two. <laughs> You're not a preacher today. <laughs> all the wannabe preachers in the house, raise their hand. All right, so I got two, two, two wannabe preachers in the house. So the rest of you, this verse doesn't apply. Because you're not a preacher, right? Joyce is awesome, and we love Joyce, but I've never seen Joyce preach. So Joyce, you can just write out this verse in your Bible. You can draw a line through it and say, nope, I'm not a preacher. That doesn't apply to me. I mean, I'm just teasing. Please don't write this scripture out. So it says, go into the world and preach. And a lot of people get hung up here on the word preach. Because they think what I'm doing tonight is preaching. And they think, and this is an element of preaching and teaching. But I want to share with you what this word means because it's a very interesting word. So the command is for all believers to go. All believers to preach. All believers to go and make disciples. Preach the message of the cross to all of creation. This is not just for the preaching elect. Write this in your notes. This is not just for your pastors. This is not just for your church leaders. This is for every believer. And the word preach here 
actually comes from the old Greek language, which means to proclaim a message from the king. And how many of you remember the old story of Paul Revere when he would run through the town and, and go, the British are coming, the British are coming. Well, there was always in these cities, there was what was called a town crier. And this town crier would go through the city and he would boldly proclaim and he would announce to everyone, the king is coming, the king is coming, prepare the land, the king is coming. Or he would run through the town and go, the enemy is coming, the enemy is coming, prepare the city, the enemy is coming. How many know back then they couldn't get on Twitter and say, hey, guess what, everybody, on such and such date, the king is coming. So there was a town crier. There was a town herald of the king, and his job was to go and to proclaim throughout the city to everyone. He did not care if they didn't want to hear. He would not be quiet if they thought he was too loud. He, he brought the message from the king. And that word preach literally means a herald of the king. And ladies and gentlemen, we are to be town criers. We are to run through our cities and run through our families and run through our neighborhoods. And our message is the king is coming. The king is coming. And so I want you to notice here, preaching involves words. It involves action. We are official messengers of the king. Say this with me if you can. Say, I am an official messenger of the king. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a message. We have something to say. We have something to bring. This person would have gravity and authority to their message, and everyone would, would listen. And so I want you to notice here that this is a major shifting point in Jewish religion. All of the Old Testament is God dealing with the Jewish people. And now all of a sudden, Jesus has risen from the dead and the gospel burst on the scene, the good news of the resurrected Lord. And he says, now go into all the world. Meaning the prejudice that you've had, the, the, the inclusivity that you've had only among the Jewish people is now gone. This is a major shift in history because now the gospel would go to the Gentiles. Now the gospel, this message of God would go to all those who were not Jewish. This was to be proclaimed everywhere in every town, in every city. Now, now this message was open to everyone. And notice this here. It says, and, and, we'll, if, and when you are believed and have been baptized, you will be saved. Look at verse 16. So he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Now there are some churches that get hung up on this wording. And I want to show you something that they're just overlooking. You know what? We make the gospel too complicated. We read too much into it. We, we skip the, the obvious. There are denominations and teachers out there who say that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. If you've never been baptized, you've not been saved. How many of you have heard of folks that teach that doctrine? They get this right here. Well, the Bible says if you believed and been baptized, you shall be saved. But notice what the Bible omits when it comes to being condemned. Those who disbelieve shall be condemned. It doesn't say those who disbelieved and have never been baptized will be condemned. Jesus told the thief on the cross, this day you will be with me in paradise. Now, sh should we emphasize baptism? Yes. I want to show you what I believe Mark is saying. Mark is not saying baptism is a condition for salvation. Otherwise, he would have used it as a condition to disqualify you from salvation. He said, when you believe, you obey. 
That's what Mark is saying. There is an outward sign to an inward work. When you believe in Jesus, it will show up in your life. When you surrender to Christ, your life will then be marked by obedience. You believe and obey. Believe and obey. James said it in his writings. He said, faith without works is dead. Faith alone saves. Do you believe that? Faith alone saves. But I wrote this in my notes from one commentator. But saving faith is never alone. Faith alone saves But saving faith is never alone. It must be acted upon. This is what Mark is referring to when he points out baptism. When you believe, you obey, meaning there's fruit, there's evidence that you are now a believer and follower of Christ. Baptism in the New Testament is much like circumcision in the Old Testament. It's an outward sign. How many of you you are thankful God chose baptism in the New Testament as the outward sign? Just as circumcision was an outward sign of an inward work in the Old Testament. So we should believe, we should obey. And this is, this is very clear in Scripture. So, so he says, go, go into all the world. When you believe, you obey. What are some ways that we can go? Somebody tell me, what's some way that we can go into all the world? You can talk to your neighbor. Having a mission starts at home. Mission starts in 37914. In my neighborhood. What's another way we can go? We can give to missions. Amen. Carrie, go find us an offering plate. We'll practice. We believe and obey. Amen. What's another way we can go? You can go on the job. He says go into all the world, and we automatically think of Afghanistan. And thank God for the folks in Afghanistan. But really, I translate this. I like this in my phrasing. I go... Go into my world. Yes, we go into all the world. I'm not, not de-emphasizing that. But at home, I need to go into my world, Pastor Michael. In, in the office that I work in every day, it's so easy to just go to my little office, shut the door, do my own thing. But that is my world. There are folks that I see every day that you will never see that you can never reach. Carrie does his Star Trek Space Invader thing with Star Wars thing with... People that I will never, ever, I can promise you, I will never, ever <laughs> hang out with the people Carrie hangs out with. No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But I can promise you that I'll never see those folks, Carrie. I'll never be around those folks. No. <laughs> Carrie's like, I don't see them either. But, but that's in your world. Jim is now doing a construction job. I, I don't have an opportunity to spend eight hours a day beside that construction manager. But guess who does? Jim. So we get hung up on preach. Well, that's what I'm paying the preacher to do. That's why I don't like when people say, hey, hey, preacher, or or they'll, I'll show up and say, this is the preacher, you know. Well, actually, you are the preacher. I may be called to be a pastor. I may stand, not not everybody's called to be a pastor. We understand that. Not everybody's called to lead and, and be an elder in a church, but every one of us is called to preach. I wish that translation was not preach because we think preaching involves a microphone. You know, I'm preaching good today. Yeah, but actually, when you're on the job, you're preaching. You're a herald of the king. You're running through your city, running through your neighborhood. The king is coming. The king is coming. Let's get ready. And so now we, we, we travel on down to verse 17. It says, these signs will accompany. And that word signs in the original language is, is the Greek word simeon. And simeon means a significant miracle. Simeon means a sign, a token, or a mark. 
Uh, you probably have never heard that before. This mark will accompany those who believe. This significant sign, this token. What is that token? It's the, the Holy Spirit resting on your life, meaning there's something different about you. There's something alive on the inside of you. Have you ever talked to someone and they're just alive on the inside? There's just something. Uh, I'm, I'm not recommending this show or... Matter of fact, I won't even say the name of it. Um, I, I don't even know if we should technically be watching it. But there's a there's a show. It's I'll just tell you, but it's I'm not promoting it or demoting it. But there's a show called Americans Talent. Americans have Americans got talent, which it, clearly I don't watch it enough. But the kids like some of the acts on there and stuff. And of course, Tara watches it, monitors her commercials, and some of the comedians are sour, and so she turns it off and. She records it and watches it later, and you know, <laughs> I teach it, I teach it. So she's watching it with the kids, making sure it's nothing appropriate. But there was this guy that was on there, Americans Got Talent, the other day, and he, he was kind of goofy looking, honestly, kind of dorky looking. And, you know, I'm one, I, hey, it takes one to know one, amen? You're just kind of a, you know, just big glasses. And, and I said something about his glasses, and she was like, yeah, that's the style now. So I'll be coming in with big old Coke bottle glasses soon, because I guess that's the style. When I was in, like, third grade, I got made fun of for the big, big old glasses. And now and now that's, uh, now that's the style. So if somebody's yelling at me in the back. What did you say? <laughs> hipster. He's a hipster. Okay. I've been trained here. He's a hipster. But this guy just was kind of, you know, talking and kind of embarrassed, very nervous, and they started playing, he started singing. And I looked at my wife and I said, he is a spirit-filled Christian. I said, he, I said, that guy is a Christian. I said, I guarantee you he's a spirit-filled Christian. Had no idea who he was. Comes to find out he sings with United Pursuit, leads some of the best worship. But when he began to sing, something was alive on the inside of that man. And he's from Knoxville. I found that out. And you know him. Wow. Joyce will be signing autographs on his behalf later today. She sh shook his hand before. Looky there. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't. To, to do another. But I'm glad you didn't go. Aren't we glad Joyce didn't go to California? Amen. Uh, yes, you would have. But my point to all those great stories, my point is when he began to sing, something was alive on the inside of him. These signs, this mark, this token will follow those who believe. It will accompany you. Lillian is in this phase where she likes to ride her bike outside and hopefully not a phase. You know, having you know, being outside is a good, healthy thing. But she's always wanting to ride her bike and it's, a, yeah, it's a phase. It'll phase out. But having you know, dad is right there. I'm accompanying her. She thinks she's driving. She thinks she's pedaling. She thinks she's in charge. But dad is right there. I'm really actually the power behind what she's doing. I'm really pushing her. I'm really actually helping steer and guide. But she thinks she's in the driver's seat. The Holy Spirit will rest on us and be our mark, will be our token, will accompany and follow us. It's, it's a Greek word that is a complicated derivative of, of a word we see for the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, one who comes alongside, one who has come to your aid, one who will never leave you, never forsake you. This token, this mark will accompany those who believe. I want to just say this 
that a lot of the folks who are very critical that this passage should be in our Bible are also very, very critical of the supernatural gifts flowing in the church today. Those two things kind of go hand in hand. And I'm very passionate about the supernatural flowing in the church today. If you don't believe it, just ask CJ. God spoke to him last week, gave him the word of knowledge. If you don't believe that happens, you've not met CJ, amen? So notice this here. These signs will accompany those who believe. Remember we started back, it's a choice to believe. Remember I said, I'm only going to talk about 14 and 12 and 13. And, you know, they didn't believe. They heard the message, but they didn't believe. We can believe. Now I want to show you something here before I get into this, because Pastor Michael, I saw something here that I'd never seen before, and I want to show you this in a, in a real powerful way. Now, everybody say, I love Pastor James. Say, he's my favorite pastor. <laughs> Amen. Last Wednesday, my mom was here, and I said, or the Wednesday before, my mom was here, and I said, oh, you're here? And she said, yeah, I'm here to see my favorite pastor. I said, well, good, Pastor Michael's going to be here. Amen. He's here. Amen. Amen. <laughs> something, somebody said something about Rick like that on Sunday, and I thought, well, that's good, man. I'm glad you people like these guys that are on staff. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Finally, Yeah. Now, let me say this in a kind way and in a nice way as we get back on track. My time is ticking. i got to finish this. Do you all want to go another week on this? I mean, come on, all right? Signs and miracles follow the preaching of the Word. Let me connect this for you. Go into all the world and preach. Open your mouth. Speak. Say something. You go and you preach. And as you go... And as you proclaim, these signs will follow and accompany. Do you know why signs and miracles, the mark, the token, do you know why it's not following believers? Because we are not proclaiming. The signs and miracles and wonders follow when you talk about Jesus. When I open my mouth and begin to declare Jesus and His goodness to those around me, God says, oh, I'm so pleased. Keep going. Let's show them something else. But if you are not talking about Jesus, you will have no signs and no miracles following you because you're not proclaiming the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This is what I put in my notes. This is not a, I'm not throwing stones at you. Pastor Michael, this is revelation to me. I want the signs and wonders and miracles in my life. Well, you have to open your mouth and you have to proclaim, you have to be bold, you have to preach, you have to share, you have to speak. This is what I put in my notes. If I am not seeing miracles and signs following me, I'm not talking about Jesus. It's guaranteed. At our men's breakfast last Saturday, Pastor Rick asked the waitress who was there. It was our second time seeing this sweet lady. And the first time we went, we asked her if we could pray about anything, and she shared some needs. And it was so cool because somehow a month later we remembered she had a grandson she was praying for, her husband had a situation. Somehow we remembered that. And pa Pastor Rick said, how's your husband? Can we pray for you? And, man, I'm telling you what, the Lord just settled in on that place. He had a, what I would call a, a, a message of, a, I don't know the exact word, but he had a prophetic message for the lady and said, the Lord wants to... Just tell you this, keep sowing seeds. You're going to reap a harvest. God's not forgot your seeds. 
And you could tell the lady really received it. It really ministered to her. That was a supernatural thing. But why did it happen? Because he opened his mouth and talked about Jesus. That opportunity, Leah, to minister to that lady was there to every single believer that she has ever waited on. Every single Christian that she's ever served could have given her that message from the Lord. But do you know why God said, I will flow this message through Rick Mills? It's because he opened his mouth and he began to talk about Jesus. We're not seeing signs and miracles follow the body of Christ because we walk around like this. Because we check out at the grocery line like this. Where's the phone? Anybody got a phone? We're not talking. Go and preach, and then signs will follow. Let me prove it to you in Scripture. BJ, write this down. This is going to melt your butter, man. I tell you what, you're going to like this. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. I've never seen this before until studying this. This, is, this has come alive in my heart. I'm going to start talking about Jesus everywhere because I, I'm always saying I want to see signs and miracles and I want to you know, see healings and, and maybe I want to see demons cast out. And I, you know, I want to see great things. I've got to talk about Jesus. You go and preach and then the signs follow. Look at Acts chapter 4. This is true. This happened. This is living scripture. This is our example. So they prayed, the disciples. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They prayed, now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant your servants that we may speak with boldness and confidence. That we may what? Speak. That we may what? Speak. Go back to that verse if you can, Jared, for just a second. Now grant your full-time pastors that they can speak. Is that what it says? Guess who's praying this? People like Joyce. People like Leah. We're servants of God. Grant that your servants would speak. Speak. Somebody say, speak. We'd speak with boldness and confidence. See, the church is not speaking with confidence. And therefore, we're not seeing any signs and miracles follow us because we're not speaking. Remember, I told you it's a choice to believe you can believe this or not. Look at verse 30. This is so powerful. God, you extend your hand to heal, and that these signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is what they prayed, that we would speak with boldness, that you would stretch out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders would take place through the, through the name. The name is authority. When you see the name of God... The name of Jesus, that means in His authority. Now let's go down just a few verses in, ver in Acts chapter 5. How many know God answers Holy Spirit-inspired prayers? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer. They prayed in faith and received. We can pray this in faith and receive. Check this out just a few verses later. Man, I'm getting excited. This is so good. So grant that your servants would speak with boldness, go into all the world and preach, and then these signs will follow. Look what happened in Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. So at the hands of the apostles, at the hands of the servants here, we're just praying, many 
multiple, somebody say many, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Now go down to verse 13. I want you to see this. None of them dared to associate with them. None of the leaders, none of the Jewish leaders dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. Look at verse 14. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes. How many want to see multitudes of men and women come to know Christ? This is not a handful here and a small group here. This is multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. They prayed, God answered. They spoke, God answered. They opened their mouth, they preached, they proclaimed, God answered. Now look at verse 15. Somebody said it's about to get good. To such an extent that they even carried the sick into the streets and they laid them on the cots and pallets so that when Peter would just walk by, at least his shadow might fall on one of them. I mean, this is people who are hungry for a move of God. God grant the day when we drive in the parking lot and people are just laying out there waiting for someone to get there to pray for them. And it doesn't have to be the pastor or the first one that walks in the door. God granted that they're waiting on Carol to just come and pull in the parking lot so that they can be healed by the power of God. Now look at verse 16. This is, this is really good. Here we go. Ready? Verse 16. People from the cities and Jerusalem were coming together, bringing the people who were sick and afflicted, and they were all being healed. They began to speak with boldness. They go, preach, and then the signs and wonders followed. We're not seeing signs and wonders because we're not talking about Jesus. This is for everybody in the room. Isn't that powerful? Can you see that? So Mark chapter 16 says, You will cast out demons. There are twenty-five over 25 verses in the New Testament that deal with casting out demons. We have the same authority today that Jesus had. Um, Matthew, let me just show you a couple of these. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. When evening came, they brought to Jesus those who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the evil spirits with a word, and he healed all that were ill. Well, that was Jesus. Last time I checked, Jesus said, Go and do the works that I do and even greater works. Last time I checked, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. Now you go in my name. Last time I checked, Jesus commissioned his believers to do this. I can see why there is an attack to remove these passages from the New Testament. I can, just, I can see why there's an attack. Look at Luke eleven fourteen. Luke eleven fourteen declares Jesus was casting out a demon, and it was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. Mark chapter 1, verse 34, Jesus healed many who were ill with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he was not even permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Mark 1, 39, he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee preaching and casting out demons. Watch this now. You ready? Before Jesus cast out demons, what did he do? What did he do? He spoke. He spoke. We're not seeing signs and miracles follow believers because we're not 
putting obedience with our belief. Remember, those who believe and are baptized are saved. Remember, you believe and obey. So we should believe and speak. We should go and preach. We should share. Preaching doesn't have to look like what I'm doing to you tonight. Preaching is just proclaiming and sharing. Talk about Jesus. Give God something to work with. Just start talking about Jesus and see what happens. Jesus said we would do these signs in His name. We would do these signs in His authority. We would do these signs in His power. And then Mark chapter 16 I think it's 18, it says you will speak with new tongues, you'll cast out devils, you'll speak with new tongues. This is what we see all throughout the book of Acts of 17, I think it's 17. You'll speak with new tongues. This, I believe, is referring to the gift of the Holy Spirit, the evidence that we see, the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. There's two parts of it. There's your personal prayer language, and then there's the public gift of tongues. We said all through Acts, 1 Corinthians 12. 14. I don't have much time to get into that today, but we will do that sometime this summer. I want to spend some time on the Holy Spirit and the gifts that you see. And then it says here, uh, well, let me show you Acts chapter 2, where I believe this, this, com- this promise comes to pass in Acts chapter 2, in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. There appeared unto them tongues as fire, and it sat upon each of them. They rested on them, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues in unknown languages, in new tongues as the Spirit was giving them the utterance. Jesus promised that power would follow our salvation. He promised that power would be available. We see it in Acts chapter 2, 8, 10, Acts chapter 19, Ephesians 6, Romans 8, It's all throughout the New Testament. Now, what about this in Mark chapter 16, verse 18? It says they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any poison. We've talked about it. It's not snake handling. That's the promise. I believe they're quoting Psalm 91, where it talks about no pestilence can can harm you. Jesus himself illustrated serpents and snakes as demonic. He used that symbolism. Serpents, remember, Satan is called the great serpent this is this is a word picture look at luke chapter 10 jesus himself equated scorpions and snakes to the demonic to the evil so it says when you'll pick up snakes if you drink any deadly poison he's saying as you're going and following god you can claim protection you can claim psalm 91 it says the 70 returned with joy saying lord even the demons are subject to to us in your name look at verse 18 And he said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Jesus said, I'm the one who gave you authority. Now, were they really like stepping on snakes and were they really stepping on scorpions? Maybe. Or was Jesus saying, I saw Satan fall from heaven And was he using a word picture that everyone in that culture would understand? Serpents and scorpions. Just like today when we see 666, it's kind of like, ooh, that's kind of, you know, if you go to the grocery store and your tab's, you know, 666, you buy a pack of gum or something, you know, because you're like, oh, man, I don't want to choke on this gum on the way home or whatever. (laughs) You know you crazy people do stuff like that. So it was a word picture. He's saying, and over all the power of the enemy, he's saying, I'm giving you an analogy. Serpents and scorpions represent the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. So if Jesus said it, why can't we see it in the Gospel of Mark? If you pick up serpents, they will not harm you. If you drink any poison, they will not hurt you. 
And then it says, last one here, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we've talked about that being the healing hands. Jesus gave all believers the power to heal the sick through the laying on of hands. I don't know why God chose laying on of hands, but that's what he gave. We should expect the same results, ladies and gentlemen. We should expect the same results. I want to challenge you. If you have never laid your hands on someone to be healed, ask God for an opportunity to do it this week. This is how you do it. Hey, I see that you've got a hurt knee there. And now, you know, men with men, women with women, it's very rare that I will lay hands on a lady. It's just, it's, it's very, very rare, especially if my wife is not there. Just be, be appropriate. But if I see somebody limping and the Lord says, go, go talk to them, I'll say, hey, I don't want to be, you know, weird here. You don't know me, but I'm a Christian. I, I just believe that, that God wants to heal you right now. Can I pray for your knee? Uh, well, sure. Well, is it okay if I just lay my hand on your knee? Just tell them. And they'll say, well, okay, I guess. And then, you know, just put your hand there in an appropriate way. You know, Lord, in Jesus' name. Laying on hands doesn't have to be, you know, like <laughs> It don't have to be like that. Now, it might be, but it doesn't have to be. Just lay your hand on. We had an evangelist at a church I was at one time. And uh, he was just, I mean, he was going hard on people like, you need a chiropractor, man, when this guy's done with you. And my grandmother, sweet little granny, like 70-something years old, frail little granny, she's like, I want to go get prayed for. She had such a good heart. She loved God. And I was like, oh, granny, we don't want to go up there. The line's too long, you know. Because I'm like, man, she's got osteoporosis. He might just snap her in two, you know. And he was just, I mean, just pushing people down and just, but Granny wanted to get prayed for. And I said, oh, the line's really long. No, I want to get prayed for. So we walked up there and she's with me and I'm in front. He went to lay hands on me and I called his hand. And I said, it's for her. But I said, be easy. And he kind of looked at me. I said, I said, do not hurt my grandmother. And he, he was kind of looked at me. He went, he went. Father in Jesus' name, he just, two little figures. I was like, do not put my grandmother to the floor. She will never get up. So land hands. I love the hands. My hands ring are for blessing. I bless my kids with my hands. When we give each other a high five, it's a blessing. We hug. We embrace. We talk about the hand of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you can lay hands on the sick. You are the hands and feet of God. Don't get caught up in the method or the how you lay on the hands. And, and all. Just step out in faith and say, let me just pray. Can I put my hand on your knee? And just ask God to do what only God can do. Preach and obey. Preach and obey. For there's no other way. That's how God transfers His, his power. I, don't, I can't explain why, but that's, it's how He transfers His power. It works for everyone. Last verse, Mark 16, 19, and 20. So they went out and preached everywhere. They obeyed. So they preached. And then what happened, Rinkum? The Lord worked with them. Do you see this? They opened their mouth. They talked about Jesus. They shared the story. They preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed His word with signs following. Last passage in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to let you go. Has this been good? Man, I hope this has helped you. You say, you preach, obey, and then see the Lord flow in great ways. Now, let me just warn you here with this passage. This will help us all, okay? This will help every one of us Bring this into perspective. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, we must pay close attention to what we have heard. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard the gospel truth. I don't care what the liberal commentators say, but erasing verse 9 through 20, you just heard what I believe is the word of the Lord. Notice this here. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, 
so that we do not drift away from it. My caution as a church is that we never drift away from the message I just preached today. I don't care about being that popular. I don't care about being the most user-friendly church in town. I would rather see sick people come in sick and leave touched by the power of God. I'm not out to win a popularity contest. Now, we don't need to be weird. We need to do things in order. We will always do that. We need to be balanced. But if it's God and if it's genuine, sign me up. I'm not putting God in a box that I have to dictate what it looks like. We'll never drift from that. But we must pay careful attention. We must pay, if you can, Garrett, uh, Jared, Garrett, Jared, whatever your name is, go back to verse 1. Notice this here. For this reason, pay careful, pay much closer attention. We think coming to church is fun and we're going to sit through a sermon and we might tweet, we might check Facebook, we might, we might text somebody during a sermon. Pastor Michael's never texted Pastor Rick during a sermon about our staff meeting items. Never, except maybe last week. I don't know. He's <laughs> Didn't you say you texted your sermon last week? I got a text at like 7.30 or whatever. It's like, hey, let's do this in staff meeting. I'm about to preach. Somebody's about to preach. I'm just teasing. But notice this here, and, and I really am teasing. But notice this here. We must pay much, much more. We must pay much closer attention so that what we've heard, we don't drift away from it. That's why if you've got kids, teenagers, it's not optional to come to church. Leah, thank you for bringing your boys to church. I mean that. It's not optional. You live in my house, you're coming to church. Well, what if... It's not optional, ladies and gentlemen. You're coming to church because we must pay careful attention. Now, look at verse 2. For if the word spoken through the angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, look at verse 3. How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? As it was spoken through the word of the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard, look at verse 4, last message, and God also testifies with them, with us, with His word and with the angels, both by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His will. Ladies and gentlemen, we will never see verse 4, God testifying with us, God validating the man and man validating the message of God. We will never see this. We'll never testify in signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to God's will if we don't do verse 1. What was verse 1? Pay careful attention so you do not drift away. That's what I want to leave you with tonight. Mark 16, 18 through 20 will never be reality if we don't preach and speak and if we let them drift out of our heart. We must keep them at the focus of our heart. Amen? Amen, amen.